Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Over quarantine, I've had the pleasure of meeting so many incredible individuals throughout the leather community over social media. And this last year with the podcast and the Zoom parties, it has really shown me that we can still get to know each other in a very deep way, especially when we are taken out of our comfort zones and challenged to connect with each other in new and innovative ways. Today's guest is one person who I am so grateful to have gotten to know over this last year. He's kinky, fun, and has quite a unique leather presence on social media. He's the president of Golden Eagle Leather Guard of the Inland Empire, and some of you may know him by the title of Leather Cowboy. With that said, let's sit back, relax, and get ready for some more leather talk. Hello, everybody. This is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Leather Cowboy. Hi. Hey there. (laughs) Now, um, I I don't know if you want to go by your your real name, but I'll call you Leather Cowboy unless you call yourself something else. (laughs) Would you you mind introducing yourself to our audience, please? Not at all. Well, my real name is Daniel. Most people just know me on Instagram by Leather Cowboy, or some people call me Kid the Cowboy as well. Um, I'm 39 years old. I'm a cis gay male. I'm also the president of Golden Eagle Leather Guard of the Inland Empire. Um, and I mean, pretty much when it comes to leather, I've been in the community for, <laughs> I don't even know. I lost count, actually. It started pretty <laughs> young. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little bit about myself. Awesome. And did you say, you, uh, what, what was your sexual orientation? Um, I'm a gay male. Gay male. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, I definitely want to ask you a little bit more about your um, leadership roles in the community and some of your experiences. But uh, before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit more. I always like to start off with sort of a coming out story. And I think for many of us in the LGBTQ plus community, that's sort of a big part of our, uh, you know, story. And I I wonder if you have a story of coming out. When did you first discover for yourself that you were something other than straight? Right. Well, I mean, growing up, I I had girlfriends. And that was just kind of the thing that I did. I never really understood who I was sexually, at least when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, Because I knew I was attracted to boys, but I was also attracted to girls at the time. Okay. But bisexuality was never like something that came across my radar as a teenager. I really didn't come out to myself until I was about 18 years old. My last girlfriend at the time wrote a poem. It's a really cute poem, but at the end, it basically said, I think you're gay. (laughs) 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 And that was pretty much me saying, yeah, you are, you are definitely correct. I think I like Dick. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What a mean girlfriend. (laughs) She was actually really sweet. She was very in charge of our relationship. I've always had a, a thing for in charge women. 
<laughs> well, I mean, you said earlier that at the time you were attracted to men and women. Now, is that still the case? I completely am. I just don't identify as bisexual. I mean, I'm married to a man, mm -hmm. so therefore I'm gay. <laughs> at least that's okay. That's how I grew up understanding things, right? Things have changed in our lifetime, and yeah. I yeah. um, if you want to say I'm sexual fluid, sexually fluid, completely. I just try not to see gender. I tried to see a person. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, I guess that that's an interesting discussion because I'm sure you know Austin Wolf. He's a, a porn actor. Right. And I remember seeing this interview with him saying, oh yeah, I'm attracted to men and women, but I don't identify as bisexual. I identify as gay. And that was the first time that I thought, oh, so you don't necessarily have to label yourself because you're attracted to more than one gender. So I wonder where, I mean, I didn't get to pick his brain about that because I wasn't the host, but now here I am, the host of my own show, talking to you. <laughs> and right. I, I wonder, can you explain to me maybe the, where is the um, the differentiation of, I still find men and women attractive. I'm married to a man, but I'm, I still don't consider myself as bisexual versus someone else in your shoes who may identify as bisexual, but also be married to a man and also be attracted to men and women. Right. I think there's experiences, I think, allow you to create that identification for yourself. And I don't like to take away identifications from other people mm -hmm. if I don't live by them or see myself actually within that way of living. I don't date actively women. I don't seek women. Um, I actively seek men usually. Okay. Right. But if the opportunity arose where a woman flirted back at me or, you know, there was some kind of back and forth, I wouldn't pass it up. But once again, it has nothing to do with her being a woman. It has to do about approach. It has to do with I see. energy. Okay. Um, for me, at least. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Definitely. Cool. Well, how, I mean, how old were you at that time? Did you say you were like in high school or something with that girlfriend? Yeah. So it was towards me turning 18. I'm one of those late bloomers. Okay. <laughs> I, turned, I turned 18 a month before I graduated from high school. And as I started to understand who I was, at least sexually, I told myself I wouldn't allow myself to do anything until I left high school. It was more mm -hmm. of a, I mean, you have to remember it's 1999. Um, a lot has happened with just AIDS is still happening at that time, the late phase of AIDS. Mm -hmm. um, and just where I grew up in general, it wasn't something I saw on a daily basis. Um, so I just told myself I wouldn't come out until I was 18, graduated, an adult, mm -hmm. <laughs> or whatever that may be. But yeah, after that, I kind of just took off. And then my official coming out, I mean, was my dad asking me if I was gay. And that was an interesting conversation to have in less than two minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. How did that go? Um, I was getting ready. It was my first time going out into West Hollywood. Because mm -hmm. I was a big old West Hollywood goer back in the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> my friend was taking me out. I was getting ready in the bathroom. I had like this little mesh shirt on, which was like a dead giveaway, right? <laughs> <laughs> and my dad kept pacing back and forth in the bath by the bathroom. And so I finally, he opened the door and he's like, I just want to know something. I'm like, sure. He's like, are you gay? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. 
He's like, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a whole dramatic story. So no, not at all. He just asked you in passing? Right. He just asked me just straight out. Um, he was like, are you gay? I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, he's like, I'm going to leave it to you to tell your mom. I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. And I went out on my merry own way to West Hollywood that night. And that was it. <laughs> well, what was it like to tell your mom? That was probably, I mean, that was like a TV moment. Mm-hmm. Literally, we were watching, um, I don't know if some of you even remember this. We were watching Cristina. It's a Mexican show back in the day. Okay. She was like the Ricky Lake of the Spanish world. Uh, <laughs> and she had gay men on. And she was talking about being a gay man. And my mom and I were sitting at the kitchen table. And I was like sweating. My palms were sweating so much. And I just took it upon myself. I was like, you know, we're watching the show. I was like, mom, what would you think if I told you I was gay? And oh she my God, went, my heart is dropping right now. Okay. <laughs> she got dead face, like eyes wide open. And she was like, are you? I'm like, I am. And we had a, it was hard for us because she expected certain things from me. And I think looking back now, she sees me now. She's like, those were such dumb expectations Mm -hmm. to have on on a son. And to know that I can have all of that still as a gay man. Yeah. So for for a while, we we didn't talk for a few months. Um, It was kind of a no talk to each other kind of moment, which was really awkward <laughs> because I'm a mama's boy. Yeah. Like completely. Um, yeah. Well, I'm curious to know why you decided to wait, you know, quote unquote, so long. I mean, to leave the house before you came out. Was it partially because you wanted to give yourself time to really discern that for yourself? Or was it because you were worried about maybe getting kicked out of the house? I mean, what was your reasoning behind waiting to leave for college? Mine was really just a, I had to experience things first. Mm-hmm. I'm very an ex- experiential type of person. I need to experience to understand myself. And so for me, it was being with a guy that would let me understand, okay, yeah, this is who I am. Um, and everything else really didn't matter because my childhood was very open as to, um, it wasn't told how to be or how to do things in a masculine ide- identity. I was very much left alone to play with my sister, mm-hmm. um, my cousins. We played Barbies. I played dress up. I'm the one that grabbed the sheets and wrapped it around themselves and pretended it was a dress. And <laughs> that was all right. My mom never said anything. My dad never said anything. They just allowed me to be, to them in their eyes, was just a kid having fun. No, I, I have to say that's... I mean, in my own experience and perspective, that seems like a pretty unique situation coming from like a Latino background. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you say that's the case? That I would say mine is a very, very special case completely. And it's not the norm. I have a lot of friends who were kicked out um, when they came out, especially Mexican men. Um, so for me, yeah, it was completely, it was very great to be in the family that I was in in the unit that I was in. And I think my mom and dad's experiences growing up allowed us to not feel shame about who we are. You know, the, all the shame that I had about my identity growing up came from the outside world when I went to school, mm-hmm. which is like what I always tell people. It's very interesting for me. It worked 
the opposite way, you know. I was called names from the age of five in elementary school. I was called, you know, not to, um, I know some people don't like this word, but I was called a faggot mm-hmm. all the time. That was just a part of my daily life in school. I never heard that word at home. I was never called a fag, a queer, anything by anyone in my family or immediate family. So all my shame and everything else that was made up in my mind came from the outside world. Do you remember how you felt the first time someone called you names like that, like at school or out in public? I honestly, just thinking about it, I never had a real negative feeling because I didn't know what it meant. Mm. (laughs) Like hearing those words to me, I didn't know until I was about 10 years old. My really good friend who lived like a few houses down told me, he's like, do you know what that means? I was like, no. And he explained to me, you know, and I looked at him, I was like, am I? Like, I remember that was like my first, like real questioning of identity. Cause I asked my friend whom we did things like we dry humped as children. (laughs) I was like, so does that mean I'm gay? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, I, I've heard stories of, you know, as as children, we're exploring all these things, trying to figure ourselves out. And sometimes we don't even know what, that something was a sexual experience until later on in life, you know. And it's funny to think that, like, a lot of guys will play with each other. And then when they grow up, they identify as straight and they never touch another dick ever again. <laughs> you yeah, know? I know, it's true. It's like you hear the stories left and right. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it was all right then. But, you know, I think it's so funny how we as men allow that as to pass. Like, yeah. oh, well, he's just curious and all this other stuff. Well, I mean, so why are we shaming it now as we're adults? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, as we grow up, I think we either decide to conform or we decide to really be ourselves and be comfortable. And it seems like you chose the latter. Yeah, well, I like to think I did. <laughs> you know, there's all these other things that go on in this world that, that make you second guess yourself or think about who you are. Um, but it's an evolution. And that's what I love, you know, being born when I was born from 1981 mm-hmm. and going into, I mean, the late 80s, the 90s, and to now 2020 to see the evolution of identity, sexuality. It's been more liberating to see how I identify myself, where I play with identities. And I think, you know, if you if you follow me on Instagram, you would see that I'm not very fixed. Yeah, uh, well, we're going to get to that Instagram soon, <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, I do want to. I, I do want to know. You know that we're now that we're kind of talking about your childhood and early experiences. Do you remember your first, you know, quote unquote, homosexual experience? Oh man! Well, like I said, with my friend down the street, <laughs> we would we would have like slumber parties, and I just remember like this is probably going to sound really hilarious. Um, I used to pretend I was a pop singer, Paula Abdul, at the time because she was my favorite. <laughs> And I I just remember we would turn on the TV and we'd watch her videos and I would like grind up on him and I would always pretend to be, well, I don't think pretend to be, I was always very effeminate growing up. And I I hate that word because I feel like there's all these other connotations to it, Mm -hmm. but I was always very different that way. And I would like pretend to be Paula Abdul and did what she did on the videos to the men. I just Mm -hmm. did them with my best friend. Yeah. Like simple stuff. Mm-hmm. That was about it. But actual like sex with a man, or like we're talking like 
penetration and a blowjob and everything else. That was when I was 18. Like I told you, when I came out, yeah, I went at it. <laughs> I remember I met this guy. Um, I don't even remember his name. Tall, beautiful man. And we met on this old website that doesn't exist anymore. And I just remember we went out, hung out, went back to my house. My parents weren't home because I was still living at home at that time. Mm. And we just went at it in my bedroom. <laughs> oh my gosh. And my little, my little, like, I don't know, what was it? Like a twin bed. <laughs> that was like my first time being with a guy. And I was like, oh, wow. So this is what it's all about. <laughs> so it was like a planned thing for you. It was like, a, this was like your first hookup. Yeah. Yeah. I started pretty young. <laughs> so when, when you got online, okay. I, I want to know, I guess, what comes before. So what what prompted you to be like, I'm going to get online and start seeking out other men? I've always been a very curious person. And it's probably gotten me into a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> and the internet, I mean, was just a baby then. And so for me, it was my only insight into the gay world mm-hmm. at the very beginning until my friend introduced me to like the rest of the world. So I just was like, well, there has to be stuff, you know, on there. And so I would log on in the middle of the night because I didn't want my parents to know what I was doing. (laughs) I would log in in the middle of the night and just, you know, type in gay, all this stuff. And I just remember that site popped up. And I was like, oh, like, there's a place where you can, like, meet people and talk to people. And so I did that. And, yeah, lo and behold, there I go, off on my merry way. I wrote, it's so funny you say that. We had the very first internet, like right as like AOL was coming out. Yeah. And um, even before that, there was something else. I think it was like called Juno or something. I had that <laughs> too. And I remember like loading up gay pictures and worrying that my parents are going to wake up because the only computer we had was like in the office, like the family room office. And I was like, as soon as I heard like a door open, I would like unplug the computer because like, they might say it. Yeah, like, it was so slow that if you clicked escape like three times to escape, it would freeze. So I'm like, right. like I know. See, you, you, you understand. Right. <laughs> you know, you had to make do with what you had in the time frames that you had. <laughs> well, that's really cool. That's awesome. So, you know, clearly you are, I guess we'll get into this later too about your Instagram and everything, but when I first saw you, I saw for sure a leather man. And I want to know, when was the first time you encountered leather? The first time. Leather itself, no. That's always like a tricky word because for me, yeah. you know, it's, there's leather kink and fetish. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my introduction into anything was right as I was coming out. I think early 19, I had met a guy who did amateur porn videos. He had his own amateur website. I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, so we hung out, he got me to like do things and he just kind of introduced me to a lot of the things that I had never known before. Like the concept of, you know, leather men was like not on my radar at that time at 19. I didn't even know what that was. And he would share stories and he would tell me things and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then as I got deeper into like amateur porn, I got into a, a spanking video and at the time, I had never done into that or even heard about people into spanking. I just remember as a kid being spanked. And that was about it. And that was my introduction right into kink, really. It was like spanking and flogging and impact play. 
but it wasn't until about 21-ish, like way in my early 20s, when I was the president of the local um, community college's LGBT club, we were at a little local pride and there was these two men like in their leather garb in their little tent selling their goods. And I was like, what's all this about? But I come here, son, I'll show you. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and being the, exper- the one who wants to experience things, like yeah. I, I, who am I to say no? <laughs> <laughs> so I just went for it. And I was like, oh, okay, that, you know, this is cool. Like that was the beginning, like for me, it was like the introduction, you know, just getting my toes wet in that whole world. Now, did you buy anything from that tent at that time? I did. I just I remember it was like just something so dumb. It was just a tank top because I was trying to, you know, help everyone support everybody yeah. in their organizations. And it was this black tank top. Back in the day, everybody was like into these M&M things, you know, like the actual candy, but it said S&M. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, very 90s. <laughs> <laughs> very early 2000. Um, and that's all I, that's all I, all I had bought. I didn't start owning leather, like leather pieces, until way later in life. What was the first piece of leather that you wore, like, in a sexual manner? It would be a harness. Mm-hmm. I bought a harness at one at a local store in LA. And I remember just eyeing and I tried it on and I was like, I want this. And so I got it. And that was like my first leather piece. And then engaging in it was a completely... I guess a different world, like, yeah, you know, I don't think I became anybody else. It just drew out uh, a sexual power or prowess that was already inside of me. Hmm. It was kind of latent, even though I've had a lot of experiences, it allowed me to explore a bit of a different side. So like aggressive handling, you know, as with a harness, you know, you can grab someone with it and kind of pull them back a little bit and have a little force, you know, with consent. Right. Um, so that was my first exploration with like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. After that, it, I mean, I started collecting pieces here and there, but very, very much to what I'm into as, you know, the whole leather cowboy thing. So my aesthetic, if you want to say, but my personal liking has always been into a more of a Western thing. And we can get into a whole conversation about scenes about that (laughs) (laughs) so uh, why why the cowboy theme I I guess I've always been curious about that is that part of like maybe your family life or upbringing or culture that you grew up with not one bit you know (laughs) there's a lot of like different things that came together for like the whole concept of me delving into the leather cowboy one my dad was very much into westerns growing up so we always watched westerns he was into country music um and especially like even mexican you know like rancheras things like that yeah so it was it was there but it wasn't something that i was so interested in it wasn't until like later on in life i always tell this people and they're like what do you mean it was a very it was a coping mechanism for me Hmm. um becoming this identity and then at some point i was like oh my gosh this is who i am though um but it just helped me through a part in my life um, that I needed. And it allowed, like I said, we all have these things inside of us. And it just drew out my more authentic self of who I was. And so 
So what do you mean exactly by more authentic? Are you talking in like a sexually explicit way? Are you speaking of like an internal discovery of yourself? What are we talking about when you say, you know, it helped me to find authentic? It's a little bit of everything. I I don't like to separate myself or my identity into like little compartments because they're all pieces of me. It helped me internally find out my butchness, if you want to say, because most of my life I've been labeled feminine and I've always never been allowed to explore anything other than that. And so that was a really great way for me to assert my butchness as a man growing up effeminate. And so from there, it allowed me to also express myself sexually and to explore sexually because men started to perceive me a little bit different. I had always been read as either being a sub or being a bottom, right? Which I don't think are the same thing in one or two, but because of my stature, I'm only five feet, six inches, and my weight and my ethnicity has mm-hmm. always placed me in one category. And the moment I started like allowing myself to explore my identity through this whole leather cowboy thing, it started to become more power. Like I became more powerful. Mm-hmm. Like I was able to say, this is what I like. This is what I want. This is what I do. It, it helped me open up that voice a little bit more. It sounds to me like, I like the word that you used, powerful. And um, and I think what you're saying is not powerful in the sense of now, because you, you could now be Dom or, or perceived otherwise, right. but because of the fact that you could take ownership of your own sexuality. Yeah, exactly. That's really awesome. So, I mean, I, do you are you versatile or are you more of a, a top slash Dom? So this is where I, it depends. <laughs> I am a switch. Okay. When it comes to the leather world, kink, fetish, um, I'm a switch. For me, once again, it depends on energy and it depends on approach. Okay. Um, certain men can put me in a sub state of mind. Other men, it will go the opposite direction, the different direction. Um, but for me, like, they're not, my switchness and my versatility I guess in my normal day life or sexual life, I don't equate them as the same thing. Okay. So the so switch in the leather world, versatile everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. <laughs> I know, it's confusing. Well, while while we're on the topic of, you know, being versatile and switch, do you have any like sexy stories of being either a sub or a dom? Where do we start? <laughs> Where do we start? Well, which one, I guess, which one for you happened first? Where Did you have an experience in Leather King world as, as, as a sub first? Right. As le- like the whole like leather sexuality sense, um, I would say I was more of the Dom, though I was still a switch. There was this one guy I'd met. He lived in LA and we were both switches. And so it always just depended on how our evening went like you can tell who was in charge and the other one just allowed themselves, you know, to, to follow suit. Um, that was like probably some of the hottest things I've ever done with the person was with that guy. Hmm. Um, and it all had to do with water sports. You know, he was, That's big my favorite. <laughs> I think it's all our favorite. It's just, you know, there's something about it. I don't know. Like there's just something about it, and with the right people, yeah, and who are really into it, oh, like 
let me just lay down and you know piss all over me <laughs> or vice versa whatever you want let's get this done <laughs> so give us a little play-by-play of wait maybe what one of your nights might have looked like so i remember this is our first meeting actually we went to a bar out in la mm-hmm. and we purposefully went there and drank some beers and we told each other we weren't going to use the restroom while we were there because at this bar you couldn't do any of that right um it was just a local local bar and so i just remember we had a great conversation we're drinking 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 we're like okay we look at our watches we're like hey let's go back to your place so we're driving and i had to take a piss so bad i have the world's tiniest bladder (laughs) (laughs) and so i was about ready to explode we found parking on the street it was like the middle of the night it was like midnight or something Uh and i parked his apartment was just down the way a bit i was like i can't hold it anymore i was like come here he got out of his car i was like get down on your fucking knees and he's like okay and his eyes was just like lit up right and he's just like waiting and looking i just undo my belt unbutton my my jeans let my dick flop out and i'm just like pissing all over him in his mouth and he's just taking all we had to be there for like a good two minutes that's how long i held it and we're in the middle of the street it is like midnight under a light post (laughs) so we're in between houses and did not give two fucks we were just like going at it i finally finished i was like fuck i was like let's go back into your place and so that evening just ensued back at his place and we were at a hundred, like just going <laughs> at it. And it was like, we got into spit play, we got into nipple play and torture. Um, we got into, you know, CBT. He's very much, he was into it all. And I'm, I come with a mindset of, I don't have these preconceived judgments about certain things. I'm open to the experience and the possibilities that I can take myself to as well. And so he was into scat. I had never done anything like that before. And I was like, hey, I know what I eat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I know how I treat my body. Um, And this is all getting very hot. And so Uh we just did our thing. And I started fucking him. Oh, wow. Pulled out. And he just like started sucking my dick. And, you know, I know some people don't like that, but it was like a dirty dick. And it was like heaven to him. I can just imagine, there are some things that I told myself I would not do because they were just past my, but then you take yourself to the moment and you're in it and you're, when you're in the moment, it's a totally different thing. You know, I I told myself I would never put anything down my dick and now I'm doing that all the time. So (laughs) (laughs) once you try it, (laughs) I'm I'm curious to know a a little bit more about this play because I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about it. And we've only talked about scat or shit or whatever you want to call it a little bit on this podcast. And um, I mean, what was that experience like for you? Did you have any drawbacks in the, in the moment or were you just so in it that it just anything happened? Right. I was just so in it. For me, like I said, I try to not come in with any judgments. And I don't want to say I don't have limits. I do have limits. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to bodily function type stuff, like for me, it's very normal almost. And I know that sounds weird um, to some people, but it's 
there's just natural things our bodies do. And I think if you treat your body in a certain way, then it really isn't dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, they always say you are what you eat. Well, if you eat shitty food, your shit is probably shit. I love that. You know, I, I want to make these coasters. I've been talking about it all day, where they're like trading card coasters where there's a picture of each guest of the show and on the back of the coaster, it'll say like a quote from your episode and yours should just say that. <laughs> Completely. I'm all about it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just something that I've always, I've always known. And yeah. so being in that moment, like I already knew he was into it. So it's not like it was a big surprise for me. I think had it been dropped right in the moment, there wouldn't need to be like some conversation about it, but I've already knew that about him going in. And I imagine, did you guys talk a lot uh, prior, like on online and everything like that? We did. And I think that's like something that everybody needs to do. Like I don't meet up with people and have a scene. Just like, you can't just hit me up and say, let's do this. I'm like, it's not going to happen, dude. We'll yeah. do that. You know, it's, we have to, let's talk. I need to get a feel of, who you are and who you need to feel and understand who I am. Right. And, you know, after just conversing for a few weeks, cause it takes me a while to actually like to say, yes, let's do this. Right. Right. Well, now that we're on the topic of just being dirty and raunchy, um, I just, have to, <laughs> I know, I'm not going to say who this is and I'm sure they wouldn't mind, but uh, you and I both know this sub um, cause we both, have talked with him before, but him and I have talked for a long time, even longer than, than my partner and I have been together, you know, and we're engaged. So, uh, but we talked for maybe three or four years on the internet and just going back and forth and him calling me, sir, and telling me what he wanted me to do to him. And, you know, over the years, I kind of got into it and, kind of played out this fantasy and started exploring my dom side, but just, you know, through text message, essentially. Mm-hmm. One day I was at the tool shed in Palm Springs and uh, I saw this guy on Grinder. He was like 400 feet away or whatever. And I was like, oh, fuck, like he's here. And I'm drunk, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not driving home at this point, but I'm like in my harness and everything. And he's like, come into my hotel room. It's this room at this hotel. And I'm like, shit, I can like fucking walk there. So, <laughs> like I'm there. Hold on. So because we had talked about all the things that he was into over the years, I felt this freedom of, I'm not going to go and overstep any boundaries. I already right. know where, we at, where we're at. I remember that being one of the hottest scenes. Walking in, I never said a word to him. I just told him what to do. And we played out this really sexy scene. Um, and I just, I, I remember the last thing I did to him, he was on the floor soaked in piss and I stepped on him and walked out the door and mm-hmm. that was it. And he called me later and he was like, that was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's just like that, that discussion in person, it doesn't even have to happen when you're, when you're in the moment, if you discuss it prior. You know? Right, right. It just makes it easier, you know. And I know a lot of people are, are afraid to have that discussion. I mean, a lot of us are afraid to even ask, like, you know, have you been tested or done anything like that? Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, it's been ingrained, I think, in a, in our community 
and our mental awareness about that stuff. And I think the more we talk about it, the easier it becomes. And I think people need to hear that, you know, it takes us a while to meet people because we have these conversations with them. We yeah. want to understand what we're what we're both doing because we both want to get something out of this. Absolutely. You know? And it just makes it even hotter. Yeah, because then you 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 go into it without having any reservations. You know that you're safe. Right. You know that you're not going to be pushed against your will to do anything, and it becomes a lot more open and and sexy. Exactly, and you know, and you'll start getting shit on your dick, <laughs> and I'll start sucking it off your dick, and you'll be like, "Hmm, that's pretty hot." I'm gonna get you a T-shirt that says "Get <laughs> shit on your dick." <laughs> get shit on your dick. Eat it. <laughs> you know, and that's you know, but with that guy, he's he's what I call ah. Uh, you know, there's people who call themselves pigs. Mm -hmm. No, like this is like balls to the wall pig. Like he means what he means. Yeah. He is a pig, and every scene with him has always been very like it. It helps me actually overcome some of my own like limits, which is great. You know, as, as a dom sub, as a power exchange you have to both be able to take to each other's limits and, and trust each other enough to push those limits a little bit more. And with him, he was like the best like learning experience about myself and himself. What would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned over the years, just being enthralled in like the, the leather scene and BDSM and exploring all of this? I think for me, it's just, it goes back to like this whole sense of authenticity. Just know what you want mm -hmm. or have an idea of what you want and be able to talk about it, but also be who you are in and out of leather, be you. And everything else is just an accessory of some sort to help heighten. So when you come into it, at least for me, it's just be yourself, be yourself, whether it's super over the top or very serious, but also respect one another. Mm -hmm. Well, as we're talking about being authentic and, and yourself and, and all of that. Um, I'm curious to know what the balance is like for you as far as like family and work and your presence online with leather and kink. Do you have some kind of compartmentalization with all of that? Do they all run together? How, how does that work for you? I think my leather life is very compartmentalized. We can't say that. I know, I can't say that. Why do even try? But people know, like it doesn't, it, you don't, my mom always has this saying that if you have to ask, you're dumb. Um, <laughs> I mean, people just, I think, know certain things about me. We just don't discuss them. Got it. Um, such as, like, my mom, you know, she, when I was starting to venture into the amateur porn stuff, she she found out about it. And she asked me, and it was like, okay, just wanted to make sure you're being safe. You're doing this, you're doing that, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but as far as, like, everything else, you know, I try to keep a balanced life. And I try to give a little bit to every part of who I am. And sometimes those things come together and sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. And that's completely all right. Just like with, you know, with my marriage, he's not kinky. He laughs at anything that I show him, <laughs> you know, it's not who he is. And I don't, I don't try to force that on him. Yeah, it's, um, I can definitely relate. My partner is definitely not kinky, at least not to the level I am at least. And, <laughs> and he just lets me, I, I was surprised. I, I have to tell you at the beginning, I was so afraid that I was going to push him away, you know, or that we were going to grow apart because I was exploring myself 
in this new way. Mm -hmm. And it actually brought us closer because he allowed me to be who I really am. And he accepted that and, you know, lets me do my thing. But how, how does a dynamic work with you and and your partner? I know a lot of people say, you know, I I couldn't have a partner if they weren't kinky. And I I don't know. I hear it. No, completely. I hear it all the time. You know, that's usually one of the hangups people have with me is that I am married. Mm -hmm. Um, But for us, I mean, we've been together, it'll be 20 years. Um, We met when I was very young and still very sexually curious. So he always had this understanding of, well, he's a lot older than I am, always. Um, My partner's 14 years older than I am. And he just understood like, well, I've already had my life and I've done this and I've done that and I don't care about what he's doing. Hmm. But I know he's being safe. We don't talk about it, but he knows. I'm always honest about where I'm going, who I'm going with, what's happening, because I don't want something to happen to me, and then he has no idea. Right. So there's always been that level of security, trust, honesty with one another. We we have an open marriage when it comes to things. We're not very traditional. Like I always tell people, we got married because I needed insurance. <laughs> but we love each other, and we've known each other. And just like you and your partner, you know, I think it brought us closer together to have those conversations Mm -hmm. and to understand that we're not the same people we were 20 years ago. We're not even the same people we were a month ago. And we allow ourselves to evolve and to do things and to maintain a sense of separateness as well. I guess that's that's if you want to call it that, like I have my own friends. He has his own friends. We do our own things. Um, we don't need to be that immersed in our social lives together. Right. And I know some people thrive off of that. For me, I'm like, I see him every day. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess every couple has their own priorities. And yours are met. Right. Exactly. As long as, you know, like for us, what we want and what we need out of our relationship and our ourselves as people, it's mm-hmm. being met 100% with love. Absolutely. What would you say? I mean, what would be your word of advice to maybe a partner who, you know, maybe their significant other is exploring kink and fetish and they're just maybe not interested in that? Oh, man, I'm like the worst advice giver. <laughs> I'm like, who cares? Do whatever you want to do now. <laughs> Over here. <laughs> you know, as the younger Daniel would say, he would say all that. As yeah. the more adult Daniel, <laughs> you know, I would say, have the conversation, mm-hmm. talk to each other, be honest about what you both are seeking and can it be done together? Mm-hmm. If it can't be done together, then how can we create a safe, beautiful, meaningful relationship together and still have what we need? If that's an option, if not, then I think don't be afraid to say, well, I guess I need to move on or the person or you know, the other person needs to move on. I don't know. It's really on a, I think, situational basis for everyone. And you know your partner. Um, I would hope so, at least, right? But ultimately, like, have the conversation. You know, I feel like that's all we keep saying is about everything we do. We don't talk enough as human beings to each other. Yeah. We talk past each other or we scream and shout at each other. Nobody sits down and talks anymore. It's so old school. (laughs) 
That's so 90s, Daniel. Uh, yeah, I'm such a <laughs> 90s baby. <laughs> but for me, that's always been like, just who I am as a person is to have those honest conversations with your significant other um, about what you want, about what they want, and how's it going to look like? Make a plan. I don't know, make a fucking Venn diagram or something. <laughs> how do all these things come together? <laughs> how, how much do I owe you now for the therapy session? Right. <laughs> Well, I'm curious to know, I mean, you've been in the community or at least exploring leather and going down that path for a while now. Are there any things that have, as you say, evolved for you or that you've seen evolve within the community that, I mean, for better or for worse? Um, You know, I think with the understanding in the world now of different sexual identities or just different identities in general, it's great to see the growing numbers of people coming out to certain things. You know, when I was first going out, yes, most of the bars were only men. Mm-hmm. And that is all you ever saw. Some bars you still go to are only allowed to have men in them. Um, to each their own. I get it. I understand it. It's their establishment. It's not mine. But I have the right to say, I don't want to go there. Right. Um, but it's been beautiful to see all the different people. Um, and I don't want to say men, women, because to me, it's people. Yeah. It's like this beautiful, like diverse, yeah. right, of everything in between and under the sun. It's been beautiful to see how our community can and will survive, especially like going through this whole like pandemic, you know, that there is hope for communities to continue forward and on with evolution. Because that's what we're all about. We can't stay in one way of doing things. That's that's silly to be that way. Right. Um, I myself, like I said, I'm not the same Leatherman I was when I had first come out to now. You know, things change. But I've allowed myself to understand and experience and to hear the stories and to get to know people and be like, I was fucking wrong. But see, I'm not afraid to say that. I was fucking wrong. Yeah. No. And so, yeah, I, I think... The community, you know, is becoming so diverse. Um, It has been diverse, but unfortunately, it hasn't been documented. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, the sad part. And there's people like you who are doing the documenting now, you know, which is really great. Yeah, I think, I mean, I started this podcast with a few intentions in mind. And it's become about, like you said, it's evolved a little bit um, as far as where my priorities lie with the podcast. And I think a big portion of it was, you know, eventually I realized, oh, this is a great mechanism to bring people together, especially during the time of COVID. But what I also noticed was that when I look back at the episodes, I was like, wow, this community is so colorful. There's so many walks of life in the leather community where sometimes you go into spaces, like you say, where you only see one kind of person and you think, well, maybe I don't belong. And just to go back and just to see that everybody has a place in this community or they can have a place in this community, I think is really important to showcase, you know? Yeah, no, completely. It is. And like I said, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the early 90s had a lot of women involved, a lot of people of color, but there was no real documentation of it. I mean, there's, if you search, you can find things. Um, If you know people, you can find things. But Technology has allowed us the opportunity to document things a lot more easier right at this moment. And so it's great to see that all this is being documented, right? Our evolution, our community, our beautiful community. 
Now, COVID-19 this last year has really become like a pivotal moment, I think, for a lot of communities, not just the leather community, but a lot of subcultures as well. And Mm. I wonder, um, I mean, are there any things that you observed over this last year that give you hope for a future? And if so, where do you see the future of leather going from here? You know, just seeing everybody take a moment to explore themselves, you know, having to be at home, having to stay at home, not have that physical aspect of being with a dom or a sub or anything has really allowed us. And I've seen a lot of people, right, even through your podcast and through other things I follow, people are becoming more aware of what they want, of who they want to be or how they want to show themselves and what they like. And they're starting to find that voice. And I think once everything starts to really be safe again and open up, these people are like going to go out and be like, ta-da, this is what happened to me. And like, I'm ready to give it to the world 100%. And you're going to see a big, I think, a big change in things. And that's great to see. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. There's, I mean, there's a lot. Of, I have an episode coming out called... Um, uh, kinky during quarantine, a young pup's journey through COVID-19. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's this this guy who, you know, has always had sort of this fascination with with kink and leather and really decided to explore himself and explore his kink and his pup side during quarantine. And he's gone through this whole transformation. And I, I kind of liken it to that of like a caterpillar, you know, we're all kind yeah. of in this cocoon and I could just imagine so many people over this last year evolving. I know we keep using that word evolving, but mm-hmm. it's so true. I mean, um, and hopefully I, I see this, you know, transition taking us to a positive space more than a negative one, but um, you know, there's always the, the give and take there, but, but yeah, yeah, with anything in life. And, you know, I just hope these people understand, like come out, don't, you know, once everything is safe, come out, don't be afraid. Um, just just be you. Give yourself to, to everything out there. And, you know, I know we keep hearing this, a seat at the table. Well, if there's no seat at the table, fucking make your own table. Because that's what I did. I was like, I'm not going to wait for someone to give me something. I'm going to just make it happen. You know, that's like the whole thing that happened with our, our the organization we created out here in the, in the Inland Empire. We're like, we're tired of going out places all the way to River or to LA or to San Diego or to Palm Springs. We're like, I'm not gonna wait. We're just gonna make this happen. Yeah. Life's too short. Get it shit is. on your dick. Get shit on your dick. <laughs> <laughs> just <Okay>. like that. <laughs> I can say that to you when I see you in person. <laughs> By all means. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about that. Cause you're you you talked about you know you create creating your own table. Let's talk about this organization that you're. Did you are you one of the founding fathers of this? Oh my god, you made me sound so old. <laughs> <laughs> We're only two years old. Come this February, but you know it was an idea of mine that I've had in my head for quite some time. And um, one of the guys who he was Mr. Sister Leather, I think twenty sixteen. Sorry, forgive me if I got it wrong. His name is Joe. Okay. <laughs> I think we all know him in the community. Um, and I was telling him, I was like, I really want to make this happen. He's like, just do it, Daniel. Just do it. So I hit up my friend. We all, you guys see him always on the Zoom cast as well, right? His name is Michael. Uh-huh. He's my secretary, uh, actually, in the, in the group. And I was like, Michael, I have this idea. I was like, what do you think? He's like, 
fucking do it, Daniel. I'm like, okay. So I just started hitting people up that I've been kinky with around the Inland Empire. I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? And then, you know, from there, we just started finding a very small group of people. We all just kind of really came together. Like, let's make this happen. There's only 12 of us all together in the group. And like I said, we're two years old come this February. And it's been a learning process, but we've been having fun doing it. And on the whole thing as well, we've, we've created this sense of, you know, camaraderie where we check in on each other all the time. We do our monthly meetings on Zoom once a month now lately. Um, I don't know. It's just really made, it's made our group really feel, we feel great about what we did and what we've done so far. So what is the, uh, what's the mission or what's the intention of this group? Or what's your vision for it? So uh, let me get out my paperwork, our constitution, <laughs> <laughs> right? Let me get our bylaws out. No, um, our main emphasis for this group was one, to create visibility and awareness of the leather, kink, and fetish community here in our own backyard, the Inland Empire. Wow. So San Bernardino, Riverside, um, and Rancho Cucamonga, all these surrounding areas. And to create a group where people can, you know, we can come together, we can discuss um, certain kinks, things about leather. We can go to certain bars because we don't have leather bars out here. It's just <laughs> all-encompassing gay clubs. And create a space for ourselves or interject ourselves into these clubs because we are a part of the gay, the LGBTQ establishment. Mm -hmm. You know, and so we're like, we'll go together, we'll do these things, and we have. And so we've allowed these opportunities of education amongst each other. Um, you know, we all have our different strengths and we all want to learn. And this group has allowed us to, to teach each other about certain things and to learn more about one another as well. If there are any listeners right now listening in the Inland Empire, um, and, you know, I'm assuming we're out of COVID in six months, <laughs> finger <laughs> crossed. <laughs> what, what, what would be your message to those people who are maybe just diving in and becoming curious and out there and have this accessible to them? It's like, look me up, send me a message, but don't be afraid of reaching out or thinking that you're the only one out there. I know living in the Inland Empire has this, people have this mindset that none of that exists here. We are here. We've been here for a long time. The leather community, different things have gone back to the 70s, to the 50s. We've been here. So it does take a little bit of work, but I'm putting myself out there. And I always put myself out there and let people know we're here for you. You're not alone. I am a click away and I'm always approachable, I think, I hope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> say hi. And how can we uh, how can we reach out to that uh, organization? So we are on Facebook. You can find our group there as Golden Eagle Leather Guard of the Inland Empire. I know, it's a long name. <laughs> <laughs> but we're on Facebook. You can join our group and you can see, we'll post on there, you know, in the future when it's safe again the events that we'll have or things that we do around our community that people are more than welcome to come and be a part of. We always say the more the merrier. Um, so Facebook is the best way. We don't really use anything else. <laughs> well, before we get going, I did want to ask you a little bit about your social media because you do have a very active Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, (laughs) What I love is that you really, I mean, you know, no pun intended, but you really just let it all hang out. But you have your own style, and I noticed you have not just the leather cowboy style, but an actual like cinematography style. Could you describe to us what 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 is the intention behind that, and how did you come up with that style? Why is that important to you? I I mean I don't know if you ever went through your brother's um, VHS or porn stash when you were a kid, <laughs> but I re- that's for me that's what it reminds me of, and that I think that's where like the whole idea is. There was just a way of doing things mm-hmm. that are very different from now, at least technology-wise. Things that were very amateur then look amateur, where things amateur now look very produced. Right. <laughs> um, it, it's very analog, I, I would say. Yeah, I, I'm very into like the whole vintage thing. You know, um, some of my retail life was spent at a store where their motto was vintage, mm-hmm. and we all look like we stepped out of the 1950s and as much as i tried to fight it it's just how i always looked because of my hair the way i dress the way i do things has always been very very throwback and it just i've always you know how do how do you do things around that well you may porn off of it Woo! <laughs> uh, so i mean is is there a sense of nostalgia tied to this as well you know, I think, yeah, going back, like I said, you know, watching some of the old stuff that my brother had hidden away, you see like the old VHS tapes, there was always that sense of grittiness, that grain. But that's also because photography wise, I like very dark things. I like grain. I like grit. Um, because life isn't always happy. It's easy sometimes to portray happiness, or at least fake happiness. Um, and so I've always find the dark things a little bit more interesting. And so when I create my Instagram stuff, I add that that grain, that grit to it, that very nostalgic throwback, because it's just one, it's a part of who I am. But also I, I it's, it's kind of like my giving to people that didn't grow up with that. So it's for me, it's really just using technology and getting off in front of the camera. <laughs> What are maybe uh, some of your favorite things to post on the Twitter or Instagram? Well, recently I've noticed that everybody just likes my whole pics on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I can post anything else and there's like, here's your two likes, damn it. (laughs) Post the whole pic. I really love the artistic the artistic photos you have, you have somewhere you are nude and, you know, I guess your whole gets a lot of likes, but I've always really <laughs> liked the ones where you are standing with your like cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and the shadows are hitting you just right. And it's like a very artistic eye that you have going on. I think it just has a lot to do with um, one being bored. <laughs> but when I was younger, I actually, what I was wanting to go into was graphic design um, for publishing. Mm-hmm. So magazine and editorial work. And that wasn't something that happened. And so this is my way of kind of doing it and creating uh-huh. it using myself as a way of doing all of this. But yeah, I, I enjoy coming up with like what I call these fake magazines, right? These faux magazine covers. Because I think when you don't see yourself a lot in movies and in magazines, I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to put myself on every fucking cover. <laughs> And, you know, and so I, I look back at a lot of the vintage porn. I'm like, oh, like that stance is really nice. You know, that lighting, certain like set props. 
but also in doing so, I learn about my body. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've always had a love-hate relationship with my body, but I learned how to like love myself a little bit more. Like you don't have to have that, you know, certain Tom of Finland physique. Right. You know, that's not what it's about. And so I've been able to just be myself and have fun while doing it and love what I do and make these fake vintage covers, make, have fun with this whole idea of being a cowboy, of being a leatherman, of being a jock, um, of being a construction worker. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just trying to give people a sense of, you can be whatever the hell you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it already. My I can be whatever I want. I want to be a gay porn star. <laughs> you. <laughs> I support that. <laughs> you know, I try to keep it I try to do it in a creative way as well because anybody, well, I not to say that I don't, I do it once in a while. You can take a picture and have a big flop out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely Put a little more work into it come on <laughs> <laughs> well uh before we get going here how can we reach out to you how can we find your your twitter your instagram so my instagram is leather cowboy 92505 that's my zip code <laughs> um so you can always find me on instagram there that's where i post all the time all my stuff you can find me on twitter as well as cowboy oh no sorry leather cowboy ie um and if you really 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 want to follow my mundane life you can follow my other instagram <laughs> mr daniel pearson <laughs> got it got it awesome well thank you again daniel for coming on the show do you have any last words for our audience you know just be yourselves and what one teacher taught me a while back sit in your power mm -hmm. find out what that means and just do it just go for it. Don't wait for your seat at the table. Don't wait to be validated. Um, validate yourself first and fucking go for it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for those words. And guys, before we go, don't forget to check out the very many outreach programs we have available to us here in the Los Angeles area. The Alley Leather COVID-19 Assist, Boulevard Pantry, and LELC Cares are all ways that you can get assistance during these trying times of COVID-19. I will have links in the description below. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Thanks again for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky.